and welcome back to another episode of Lost Down. Again, it's Wally Lukashinsky's voice you're hearing. Steven will be back next week. He had some work things come up, so it is going to be David and I manning the fort yet again. So, David, we did pretty well together first time uh, just as a regular show. I, I think we can build on a little bit of momentum here. How are you doing, man? I'm pretty good. Can't complain. Just kind of praying for those people out in Florida who are facing what looks like an absolute nightmare of a situation. Dude, I it is. I'm like happy that I have a friend that at least talks enough about weather that I can get my fix in, and you're that guy for me. And first of all, it has been crazy to see some of these pictures and videos coming out where a very well known area in Florida is basically just gone. Yeah. And, and then they're sending our guy, Jim Cantori, down there. He's been the greatest weatherman employee for the last 20 years. But he's out here standing in the middle of the street getting tree branches thrown at him from the wind. And Like, why are we still doing this in 2022? I don't know. Like, I don't understand why we can't just set up video cameras and, and see it for ourselves. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like we need to see a weather guy almost get blown away. Where we're like, right. oh, wow, yeah, it must be bad. <laughs> Hurricane not is- good. Man, some of those images were awful, though. Like, yeah, it's funny to see the shark in the in the neighborhood or whatever. But like, then you started seeing what was happening, like as it hit landfall, and people are in third story apartment buildings watching the water rush up from the bottom of the stairwell. And you know, I saw, I just watched a video of a, a car dealership watching, like, I don't know, ten to fifteen cars just float away in the water. Like, I. You know, I just, I feel bad. I mean, there are so many homes and so many people that are going to be affected. And I just feel terrible, like uh, just straight up terrible for those people. Flooding's one of those things too, that uh, up here, at least because where I live, it's more mountainous, more hilly. So we don't really get flooding that bad unless it's in like the valleys. When you see it on Twitter, it can sometimes be very, uh, underwhelming to us here that don't know what it looks like day to day down there. But like I remember one video that really stuck out to me this week where it is kind of like you said, it's about six feet up and it is showing just like the regular street on a normal day. Then it shows 12 hours later and there's water about a foot deep or so. And you're like, Oh, that's, that's not fun. But then you get to the storm surge six hours later and it is above this camera that was six, seven feet off the ground and it's alarmingly aggressive water too. Like you're not surviving if you get caught in this. No. And it just really up here, we kind of take the hurricanes for granted because they don't affect us. But when you watch right. once every five, six, seven years, I feel like we really see a big one hit. And it opens your eyes for sure. So you said it perfectly. We're definitely thinking of all the people down in Florida and hoping that they're at least okay. We right. can replace things. Let's talk about some happier things here. We're going to talk football. It's what we do. And we have to start with that Monday night football game in review. Brutal optics from a team perspective after a great start of the year on primetime. A lot of really good teams, a lot of really good matchups. The Cowboys and the, the, the Giants really don't move the needle too much for me. But credit to the Cowboys. Cooper Rush led. They're now 2-1. and one. So are the Giants. And you and I said before, this might be the last time the Eagles have anybody even close in the, the rear view. What did you take away from that Monday night game besides the fact that MetLife needs to replace their damn turf already? Oh, my God. MetLife, MetLife needs to be knocked down and something needs to be replaced. But I, I don't know. My questions after the game were, is, is Cooper Rush the truth? Are the Cowboys going to be half decent? Or is this just NFC East versus NFC East? making each other look good only to get bodied by real good teams. <laughs> like, I I don't really know what to take away from the NFC East playing each other, but I think the Cowboys and in, in, I think the Cowboys have a decent shot to finish second in the division. I mean, Cooper Rush doesn't look bad. He, he looks like a game manager. He looks like he can win them games as long as they stay close. So it should be interesting, but I don't know. I It, it was a better game than I was expecting, but still my worst game of the week contender from last week. It was worthy of that, I guess, title that you gave it. It wasn't yeah. exactly high-level football. Well, it was like it was nothing for three quarters or like two and a half quarters. And then 
suddenly we each score two touchdowns and now it's like interesting but like I mean like that was a snooze fest for the first half it was it very much so it what it reminded me of is at least from the Dallas side, you brought up Cooper Rush being a game manager. It feels like what Seattle is trying to do, but even worse right now, they have run into the Bengals who have been very underwhelming. Even when they beat the Jets, they're not clicking to what we're used to seeing. And then the following game, they play the New York Giants, who might be the worst 2-0 team at that point that we can remember in forever. So we'll find out a little bit more this week. They have another one of those daunting NFC East battles against the Washington commanders and Carson Wentz. That'll be a good chance to at least solidify a wild card potential in the wake of the Dak Prescott injury. But let's go to the last thing. It's a bummer that Steven's not here, but our last bit of NFL news today, as if there was any doubt, Clay Matthews has officially announced he's done playing in the NFL Wanted Steven to be able to give him his boy his flowers here, so I'll just read off. He wanted me to make this little note for him, but second most sacks in Packers history, the first player that he can remember in his life, having seen go from college to blossom, play his duration of his entire career, and sadly for them, not be able to, I guess, retire him as a Packer. That's just the nature of the business of the game. But he brought up a great point. This is really one of that first wave of Packers that we remember growing up. And while they've never been an elite defense, you always had to know where number 52 was on the field. And he was almost one of those first edge rushers that blew up in our lifetime. Everybody was scared of where Clay Matthews was lining up. What did you think about uh, Clay Matthews officially hanging up here? It is a little bit nostalgic. I'm not even a Packers fan. And it's kind of like, you know, we've watched probably 10 to 15 legends that we literally grew up from start to finish of their careers and it just gets like the more we the longer we go the 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 more of these guys that retire and it's just weird it's it makes me feel old but uh it's definitely I mean he's probably a surefire hall of famer eventually I I don't know I I would assume he's he's at least in the conversation late in a few years here I'm with you I'd have to dig in to figure out if he's a for sure guy but just going off of that initial thought when you heard Clay Matthews is retiring, it makes you think that he's definitely got a shot. Uh, A couple of things you brought up from the beginning to the end, we had notes written down here too. It's weird to look back and think about that USC linebacking crew because that's when it really sinks in how old we are. I remember the cover with Ray Malaluga, Brian Cushing, Clay Matthews. It's like, we're going to change college football. And now these guys are, 36, 37 out of the league. There was nothing worse than that first moment when you're about 23, 24 years old, where the college players are no longer younger than you. Oh God. Yeah. Or no longer older than you. I have apologies. We're getting to that point with the NFL where it's like, Oh my God, he's 29. Dude, you can't sign that in free agency. He's old. And I'm like, well, uh, I don't know. Like, I think he's pretty young. If that was me, I don't know. It's uh so you brought up Ray Malaluga, Brian Cushing, and Clay Matthews. It's when I saw those three listed out for the first time since actually like remembering them playing college. I just USC has had the wildest collection of talent in position groups at various times over the last three decades, and it makes no sense because they have absolutely nothing to show for it outside of after 2006 was their last national title because they lost it in 07. Uh, yeah. um, I, I just like, you know, even in 06, you had what Reggie Bush and Lendell, was it Lendell White? That was his backup. Yes, dude. And he was a beast too. Yeah. And then, you know, they had Maluga, Cushing, Matthews. They had literally just recently, who were the three receivers? Pittman, uh, St. Brown and. Um, Juju was there not long yeah. ago. Juju and like they had like four amazing wide receivers in their you know NFL caliber wide receivers in their room I just like you start looking at their history and you're like wow in random parts they have these position groups that are just like the best you could ever imagine in college football but it like they just can't put it all together from top of the roster to the bottom and I think the biggest thing has to be coaching there I we're getting really sidetracked we're getting a Pac-12 talk but outside of Pete Carroll 
we really haven't seen a stable coaching hire out there in USC. And, you know, I guess Lincoln Riley now is probably the closest thing we've got to it. He's definitely brought the recruiting right. And, I mean, even the transfer window, you bring up receivers. Jordan Addison's a name we're going to be mentioning a lot on this show here in about six months come draft time. But, yeah, USC, I mean, I always thought about Clay Matthews from that 35-3 to Ohio State beatdown. I know you hate Ohio State, but that game, it was the first time where I was like, okay, speed matters in football. Because right. up until that point, it was still that old school Big Ten mentality. And then all of a sudden, these guys were running wind sprints around the Ohio State offense. I'm like, all right, cool. We need to do more of that. Whatever it means to get there, that's where we got to go. So, and I almost credit that to that linebacking core out there. So, we'll definitely be missing Clay Matthews. But before we get into the week four preview, this week's NFL news was brought to you by Abby Turner Creative your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you were around our age where there's college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it, it's happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on our Instagram at sawdadandsapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. David, what the hell's going on out here? I will tell us how we did this last week. You got to be feeling some type of way because you had a rough opener that first week for you. Week two didn't look good, but last week, if you bet with David, you're feeling pretty damn good about yourself. He was up nine units last week. He went twenty-three and ten. I am bleeding you guys to death. I'm losing like three, four units a week for you. So I'm going to turn it around for you. And Steven's got his picks in here, too. He's looking for a rebound. But, David, take a, take a little moment to pat yourself on the back. Take a victory lap. 23-10. and 10. you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself. Didn't I go – what did I go, 12-1 and one in the 4 o'clocks in prime time or something? Yeah, after yeah after the 1 o'clock games, I think you were 12-9. and 9. 1 o'clock games never mattered. We're here for prime time specials. <laughs> exactly. You were, what, 11-1 after the 1 o'clock games. So yeah. – that, that's I, all you got to figure like, out. I'm ecstatic. Let's let's keep it rolling. We're going to keep that rolling this week. I that's what I like it. to hear. Well, you make it sound like you were struggling to one o'clock suit. You were 12 and nine. I'm <laughs> sure you were at least breaking even at that point. You guys won't hear this in time, but we're, we're giving you the, the honor system here. We're giving our picks yet again. The Dolphins are going to what used to be Paul Brown Stadium. I almost said that, but it's Paycor Stadium, where the Bengals are three and a half point favorites. Totals 48 and a half. And more importantly, David, the white uniforms are here. Where are you at going into this game? A lot to talk about here. I'm not comfortable betting on the spread because these are two absolutely ridiculously talented teams. I am, however, taking Cincinnati money line and I'm taking the over on 48 and a half. Both offenses probably overwhelm these defenses and it probably ends up being a shootout. Uh, but I think Joe Burrow is going to get it rolling for a second game in a row. I'm betting on the quarterback uh, instead of the team. So I'm taking Cincinnati. Steven is doing that as well. Yes, Cincinnati minus four in the money line. His note he had for this game is that since 2015, teams coming off an outright win as underdogs that appear on the following Thursday night game are 0-12 straight up, 1-11 against the spread. So the away team that follows the prompt above are 0-8 as well. So he's going with the Bengals. I guess that makes sense. The three of us are all going to be on them. I have them at minus three and a half in the over of 48 and a half. And I'm going to tell you why. The Dolphins have allowed 22 second half points this year. Only five in the fourth quarter. They've been unreal. I'm already confident saying that they are the better coach team. And I want to pick them. But not only are the uniforms pulling me back, not only is the, the field pulling me back, not only is this in prime time, and I'm excited to see Joe Shiesty in the all-whites on prime time, this is a Dolphins defense that played 90 defensive snaps four days ago against one of the best, the best team we think in the NFL. That is the recipe for a Bengals offense finally getting right here. I'm taking those Siberian Tigers tonight. Two is going to have his first outright bat of the year. And I honestly think we're going to be surprised when we actually have a few good things to say about Eli Apple come Monday's show. I'm just saying. That's a bold take. 
It's a bold take. It's a very bold take. Uh, one more thing on this game before we get going on. You and I were very interested in the Tua fallout and in the injury look and all that. The NFL has come out and said, hey, they followed all procedures, which leads you to two questions. If that's true, how do you mitigate or how do you factor in players are going to lie to play football? It is their livelihood. It is a competitive game. How do you factor that in? And that leads you to think, too, is the current concussion protocol thorough enough right now? What did you think? I know that you were really interested to see how this was going to play out. It's hard. I have a feeling it's really impossible. Like I'm no doctor, but I have a feeling it's impossible to really tell if somebody has a concussion on the sideline unless you go into some 10-minute extensive exam, which likely isn't going to happen. But that being said, I still don't believe for a second that Tua isn't concussed or wasn't. I just don't. I don't believe it. Even if that was a back injury, you wouldn't have stumbled the way he stumbled. Wait, you think walking like a baby deer isn't a back injury? Yeah, like, I, I just, like, if it was a back injury, like, as he got up, he would have, like, clenched his back and fallen, ba- fallen back to the ground or just clenched it in general. If that was really, like, your back hurt, there would have been some indication there. I just, I, I don't know. I just, everything about the video made me distrust everything that happened in the in the medical tent. It didn't even click until right now when you said it. But how many times in your day-to-day life, if someone has hurt their back in any capacity, what is the first thing you do? You grab your back. And right. he didn't even think to look at grabbing his back. He can't walk. He's a baby deer. And we're supposed to believe that it was all his back. I, I I'm, I'm with you. It's just, again, I, it's the unfortunate part of the game. I don't know if there's really a way that you can change this. The players want to play. They're going to lie. And that's that. And the teams aren't going to stop them, too, if they think they can win. We're going across the pond now, David. First time of the year. You guys hear the music. That is God Save the King. Lizzie's gone, so that ain't a factor anymore. We're going God Saves the King. Minnesota's a a two-and-a-half-point favorite playing against New Orleans, where the total is 43 and a half. I'll read you Stevens first, throw it to you, David, and we'll loop back to me. He said Madison is going to have a great game against this D, allowing 140 yards per game on the ground. Also, Andy Dalton is trending to start. He'd be lucky if they don't. Tar and feather his redheaded ass, as his words have here, not mine. Vikings are two and a half, or he takes them minus two and a half, as well as the money line. David, can you live up to that synopsis there from Steven? I'm taking Minnesota two and a half in money line. New Orleans is a fraud, and Justin Jefferson is going to get back to an elite level this week. And that's all I got. I, I just think it's uh, it's an easy pick for me. I'm actually with you guys. I have the Vikings minus two and a half. I'm taking the money line as well. The Vikings are going to honor the age-old tr- English tradition of pillaging a foreign land and erasing the Saints from memory. The Vikings are going to go to three and one but really get right for that first time since that opener. I think you're right. Justin Jefferson, he's going to really look like Justin Jefferson again this week. Plus it's a morning game. It's kind of prime timey, but Kirk Cousins doesn't have to worry about America watching. The whole West Coast is asleep. All of the mountain area, mountain West is asleep. He's good. Vikings 31, 17. I'm hammering both. AFC South matchup now. The Indianapolis Colts are three-and-a-half-point home favorites against the Tennessee Titans. The total is 42-and-a-half. I'll open it up just telling you. Steven's pick, I'll throw mine. Steven has the Indianapolis money line, and I have Indianapolis minus three-and-a-half. This is a strategy I'm doing, David, this week. You're going to notice I'm going less on money lines and doubling up because I'm trying to be a little smarter. i got to get back into this. So I'm taking more spreads. I'm going with value this week. And I have the Colts minus three and a half. And that's because through three weeks, the Titans have allowed a league leading 84 points. Or excuse me, I said league leading 30th, 30th. The Colts, on the other hand, haven't been able to score. They have 40 points through three weeks, which is good for last in the league. But what has been the biggest issue for Indianapolis so far this year? Their pass pro. And then the fallout from that, 
Matt Ryan hasn't looked himself. He doesn't look good at all right now. This has to be the week that changes if I'm going to get back in on the Colts. I think because of the poor Titans pass rush, the Colts are going to score more than we've seen them all year. And I think this is going to be the time that you lift the panic button if the Colts don't get it done. But I'm taking Colts minus three and a half. They're going to win this game 27 to 20. This is my worst betting game of the week by far. It's two ugly, disappointing football teams. They're they're both 0-2 against the spread playing each other. And why does that matter? Well, since 2003, NFL teams that start 0-2 against the spread have gone 81-64 and against the spread in week three. But they're both playing each other. So there's no real indication on what's going to happen from a betting perspective. And I hate everything about this game. I'm taking Colts money line because I just think they're the better team, even though they're both playing like crap. But I just like I'm not confident about anything that's going on in this game. It's a gross game. It was one that when you say the Colts are three and a half point favorites, given how they play this year, the other team must be some kind of bad. And I think that's what Vegas looks at Tennessee is, too, that this is a team that has holes all over. We might be used to saying they're a competitive team in the AFC, but it might be. Duval's division right now, and we'll get to them here in a little bit. This game is ugly, but I'm intrigued, David. The Chicago Bears are going to New York on that dreaded MetLife field where the Giants, the G-men, are three-point favorites. Totals 39 and a half. Kayvon Thibodeau was back for his regular season debut on Sunday Night Football, but he really didn't have a major impact. One tackle and one uh, pass deflection. But the Bears' offensive line and more rest on his legs should provide him with at least a good second opportunity. Where are you going with this game? This is the worst game of the week from a quality perspective. Justin Fields is 23 of 45 with 297 yards, two touchdowns, and four interceptions through three NFL weeks of football. Jalen Hurts had 300 yards and two touchdowns in one half last week. Fields is not the guy for Chicago. Chicago Chicago isn't going to be winning football games with them this year. The Giants are awful, in my opinion, too, but they're ultimately coached better, and they're probably going to pull out a win. I feel like going against the grain and taking Chicago at, at, at plus three, but I don't know. It just feels like another 23-20 loss for Chicago, so I'm just going to take New York Giants money line. I want it so bad. want it so bad. To take the Bears here, I want Justin Fields to figure it out. I'm desperately rooting for it. But I think the Giants are going to win this game 21-10. to 10, And I'm taking the Giants minus three and the under of 39.5. We just mentioned Kayvon not having a big impact on Monday. He might still be banged up, but they need him to be better in this one. The reason I mentioned I'm really intrigued by this matchup is that, first of all, the game's going to be over in like two and a half hours. These teams love to run the ball, and that's all they're going to do back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. By now, everyone has heard all the talk that you mentioned. Justin Fields averaging 99 yards a game. He has 23 completions through three weeks. It's criminally low on both attempts and completions. But I brought up the Steelers and Browns dysfunction last week, kind of like being a grenade in that locker room for whoever lost that game. If that's the case, I got to pull out almost one of my favorite sayings of all time, one of my favorite expressions, and that this is a powder keg. The Bears, if they lose this game and the offense looks bad, at what point do they have to pull the trigger on Justin Fields? Because it's getting to that awful, like awful, awkward point, especially in a big city like Chicago. The media is going to be tearing into that coaching staff. They're going to be tearing into their quarterback, and it's only going to get worse. You know what it's like having a city with a media that can sometimes almost funnel negative play out because of the storylines they're writing? It's happening in Chicago right now. The only chance they have, and this is where, again, I'm intrigued. The Giants have three sacks on the year. They have no interceptions. This has to be it. This has to be it for uh, Justin Fields and Luke Getze, first-year offensive coordinator for the Bears. Has to be it. If it's not, I I, I don't know when it's going to happen. I think it might be over. It might be time to abandon ship there. But my theme of the week is I'm betting against things that make me happy. So I'm taking – the New York Giants minus three, and I'm taking the under of 39 and a half. Possibly a matchup that won't make you happy. We'll see, though. 
the Buffalo Bills, three-point road favorites going to Baltimore. And believe it or not, David, money is coming in hot on Baltimore right now as a three-point dog. Totals 51. I feel like we got to throw it to you first on this one. It is your division, and you have some negative words about Lamar Jackson seemingly every week. What do you think about this one right now? It's got to be a short list for Battle of the MVP candidates. Yeah, you're probably right. And realistically, realistically, Ravens plus three is probably a good bet if you're looking to make some money, some 50-50 style money where you're not 100% sure, but like if it hits, you're you're in good standing. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I believe in Buffalo as a football team over Baltimore. I have Buffalo as a three-point favorite and the money line. And I'm taking the over on fit. What is it? It was 51 and a half. Now it's 51. I've taken the over at 51 because I think Buffalo rolls, but with the way Lamar Jackson is playing, if that continues into week four, this is going to be a shootout. Like this is, this is going to be like 35, 30 style shootout. In my opinion, I, I, think over on 51 is the is a lock for this game but i i just I, buffalo minus three money line and over 51 that's that's my i i'd honestly hammer that i think we say hammer that because that's i believe in buffalo that's the way of the road this is where the concern possibly comes in is that Steven and I are with you as well. And that's where I get terrified, is that we all love the over, we love the money line, and we love minus three. I mean, you brought it to our attention last week, but the Bills aren't blitzing. They're only at like 6.1% of dropbacks so far, the blitzing this year. Yet they're third in the league for uh, sacks. They're like 10th in pressure rate. It's kind of crazy what they've been able to do. No one's running the ball on them. They're not allowing three yards of carry, not even – at, I think, 175 yards this point of the year. It just turns into Lamar is going to have to prove that MVP buzz is real if they're going to get it done. But I'm betting on the other MVP guy, and I'm taking Josh Allen in the Bills. And I I might be crazy. I think this is going to be borderline blowout, 38-21, 38-20 kind of game. And it's not even a, a negative Baltimore Raven thing. It's just how... I think this pissed off Buffalo Bills team after last week is going to take it out on Baltimore. You bring up a great point on the defense. Let's put it this way. Lamar Jackson might not be able to run on Buffalo if they're getting that kind of pressure from their defensive line alone without blitzing. Because realistically, if I can rush four guys, three or four guys without blitzing my linebackers, I can keep a linebacker in spy coverage all game long. I don't know what kind of defenses they're planning on running. But if I can keep a spy on Lamar all game long, he might break the pocket and, and break out for a run once, but he's not running for 100 yards on me. I'm happy you brought that up too. What has he struggled with in his entire career? It's defenses that have more secondary pieces, more defensive backs on the field. That first playoff loss they had a few years ago when he jumped on the scene and they went something like the Big Ben rookie year kind of, where it was like 11-1 or something to that effect. They get to the postseason – and the Chargers play with seven defensive backs all game, and he looks lost. He's gotten better, but it's still a deficiency in his game. And the Bills are going to be playing with a million linebackers and a million uh, pieces in the secondary on the field because they are going to get that pressure. Let's hope the three of us, if we're all on it, we're hammering it. That is a oh, hammer yeah. bet. Oh, yeah. Let's go to the next one. And one that scares me also because I think the three of us have similar – Lines of thinking here, but the Los Angeles Chargers are five and a half point road favorites going to Houston. Totals 44 and a half. Joey Bosa was just placed on the injured reserve and will be having surgery on that injured groin. We talked about it last week, but Charger fans just have to be thinking, here we go again. It's time and time again. The last time they didn't have Joey Bosa too was week 16 last year. And what happened? They gave up 41 points to Davis Mills and the Houston Texans. Last thing, I'm going to get your thoughts here, David. Brandon Staley says it was his choice and his choice alone to play Justin Herbert throughout the entirety of the blowout loss last week. And he said that Herbert wanted to be out there and said he felt good. Okay, and? Well, why is he out there? 
that's a that's a fireable offense if you're a GM. Like Staley's great, don't get me wrong, but like I would pull him directly into my office and I'd be, look, you do that again, and you're gone. That's the franchise. That is your next 15 years quarterback, and you're gonna play him in a blowout loss while he's injured. That's a stupid comment from Staley. Like I get taking responsibility, but just. Just don't even answer the question. Move on. Like, hey, he wanted to play. I let him play. It was a mistake. You know, just own it. Just own it. As far as the game goes, to your point, I think we're all on the same page here. Herbert hurt, Bosa out. There's a bunch, there's a laundry list of other injuries for the Chargers. I just think it's too much to overcome a healthy roster. I'm actually, I think I'm taking, I, I would take Houston five and a half. On the mon- or on the spread, no matter what. But I'm actually going to take Houston on the money line too. I just like I, I don't love Houston, but I just think the Chargers are banged up bad, and I don't think the Jaguars are beat them 38 to 10 good. So I just you know it, it's it's a, a worst case scenario for the Chargers, but I think they lose to Houston. I love that because you and I, we have to be the mouse in the trap in that maze that goes to the middle, we're sniffing the cheese right now. I'm also going to take the cheese on the mousetrap and pray we don't get our neck broke here, David. Houston's going to win this game. I have them plus five and a half, but I'm also taking the money line. And I feel like this is like the overthink yourself game of the week where you want to say the Chargers are going to get right because we've heard nonstop for four months that they're a Super Bowl team. They are banged up right now. They don't look like it. The only real game that they played for the most part, a complete game was against the Raiders and there's still optimism or not optimism. There's still skepticism to believe that they're not what we think they are. And if that's the case, the chargers they're inflated by everybody's opinion of them. Steven has him plus five and a half. He has the chargers money line though, but I'm going to think we're right. I really want to believe it. This is, this is the year. I think Houston is finally showing us there is a future. It might not be here for a while, but Davis Mills is going to get it done. I have 23 to 20 Houston Texans winning in overtime, getting redemption for that 2020 tie to start the year. Seattle and Geno Smith are going to the Motor City in Detroit. The Lions are four and a half point favorites. Total is 48 and a half there. I'll give you mine first real quick on this. I have Detroit winning this game. Lions fans all over the world have to be shocked. 31 to 28. There are seven quarterbacks in the NFL, though, with quarterback ratings north of 100. Geno Smith is one of them. Neither of these defenses are good. So my favorite bet on it is the over. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, this is going to be a game of, much like the Atlanta-Seattle game last week, it's just going to be going up the field, going up the field, going up the field, going up the field. I think the only way the over doesn't hit is that if you get long field goal drives, if you get turnovers after long drives, I just offense is taking penalties to force you to have to punt. That's how this is going to happen. I, I just don't see it. Again, I have Seattle plus four and a half. Not taking Detroit money line just because the value I don't think is, is much there. But I'm hammering the over 48 and a half, David. I'm taking Seattle plus four and a half, but I'm taking Detroit money line. I think the Lions have an entirely better offense than than the Seahawks, but both defenses are terrible. And like you said, it's just going to be, you know, it, it, it's going to be a shootout for no other reason than they can't stop each other. I think Detroit's probably better in my eyes right now, but you know, who knows? I just I think it'll be close because I don't think I, I don't think either team gets more than like two stops this entire game. What's sad is that all three of us, again, are in lockstep here. Steven has plus four and a half for Seattle. He has the Detroit money line like you. And if I was going to bet it, that's where I'd go. And then he has the over as well. So this is the second time this week that all three of us are together. And I don't know if that's good or I don't know if it's bad. We'll have to check in next week and see how we did on these particular games. Your arch rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, are hosting the New York Jets. They're three-point home favorites. Total is a very low 41.5. And most importantly, I think going into this game, the buzz is Zach Wilson's back. Finally going to be making his debut in 2022 after he was cleared to play. 
He was injured in the team's first preseason game of the year. I'm not going to talk. I'm going to give it to you first. Your division rival, where should we be betting on this one? I'm taking Pittsburgh Moneyline, and that's it. In my eyes, Zach Wilson coming back means Mika and this defense are going to have multiple turnovers. Pittsburgh will win. I'm not sure it'll be by more than three, which is why I'm not taking the spread. I just think Pittsburgh's going to win this, and it's going to be because they win the turnover battle. I'm with you, actually. I will start with Steven. He has minus three and money line. And he goes, is it bad that I prefer Joe Flacco at quarterback? He's kind of in a similar spot as me. I, I have the Pittsburgh just minus three. I'm not taking money line because, again, there's not a lot of value, and I'm trying to change up my strategy to catch up here a little bit because I've been rough. But if you're a Jets fan, you got to plug your ears when what I'm about to say because I'm with Steven. I don't know if it's a good thing that Zach Wilson's back this week. I think they might have been better off with Joe Flacco, but we have to see what Zach Wilson is. If you were a Jets fan, you have to have this happen. And frankly, I'm rooting for there to be a milf hunter as the face of the New York Jets. We need a new Joe Namath, but it's just, it doesn't feel like it's in the cards with this team right now. I think that you have to ask Mitch Trubisky to not turn the ball over. And if you don't turn the ball over in this game, you're going to get a Steelers win. And I think that they're going to cover comfortably. I have a 24 to 13 Pittsburgh. Tomlin's not stupid. So Steeler fans, you got to put away the Kenny Pickett jerseys, open up some Iron City, and understand this season is not about this season. Trubisky is the guy through the bye week. Remember that. And this is the week that's going to buy him that time. Jacksonville is going to Philadelphia. The Eagles are six and a half point favorites. Totals 45 and a half. I'll keep this one with me and I'll keep it short and sweet. The birds are going to win 28 to 21. I'm taking a minus six and a half. They're going to be the only team in the NFL to go four and oh. And I love what's happening in Jacksonville. I really do. I mentioned seven quarterbacks with a quarterback rating above 100. Trevor Lawrence is one of them. He is clearly getting fixed right now by Dougie Peterson. This isn't an indictment on them. This is how emphatically I love Philadelphia. And you say all the time, or you have been saying that you're going to bet with Baker until the wheels fall off. I've got Eagle fever until they make me look stupid. I'm going to keep betting them. I'm with you. I'm scared to bet the spread though. <laughs> I've, I'm taking Philly money line. I'm too scared to bet on the spread. Jacksonville played the commanders close and Philly blew them out, which makes me think Philly will blow out Jacksonville, but like Jacksonville looks great on the football field. So I don't know. The only thing I'm confident in saying is Philadelphia goes four and oh, so hammer Philly. Wow. I, I have to read this. I somehow forgot about Steven's pick. He is Jacksonville plus six and a half in money line outright. He's buying the hype. He has Doug Peterson goes back to Philadelphia to face his former team. That is a great storyline that I kind of overshadowed too. But then he said, they're ready to upset his team. Do not look now, but the Jags have allowed a league best 55 yards per game on the ground. So I can see them throwing a wrench in Philadelphia's running plan. Middle of the back, passing defense, but they are also tied for a league best six INTs already. So he's going with the stats in this game. He's going with the hype in this game. He's going with Jacksonville, plus six and a half in money line. Good for him. It ain't going to happen, though. Fly, birds, fly. Your Browns, one and a half point road favorites at Atlanta. Total is 47 and a half. We talked about Miles Garrett. He was released from the hospital on Monday after his one-car accident. Suffered a bicep and shoulder strain. So we're not sure quite yet if he will play on Sunday. But I got to imagine a lot of Browns fans see a one and a half point spread here and are a little disrespected. How do you feel about being a one and a half point favorite in Atlanta? It's rude that we're only a one and a half point favorite. We're way better of a team. Even without Miles Garrett, we're way better of a team. I'm taking the Cleveland spread and the money line. I, I don't know. Maybe Vegas is anticipating a, a Jacoby Brissett comeback to earth game. I hope that's not the case. But if Cleveland doesn't win this game, I will be horrifically disappointed in the team. Well, Steven disagrees with you, but I don't. He has Atlanta money line. He doesn't believe Miles Garrett will play. And Jadavian Clowney is not going to be in as well. 
So he thinks that reason alone, it's going to give Atlanta the edge. I think it's actually closer than people think. I have them just covering. So I'm taking Cleveland minus one and a half. I have 26-24 bronze. If Miles misses the game, I think that the Falcons will win. I really believe that. And it's not because of the Browns. I just have been blown away with Atlanta where I thought I was going to, I thought they were the worst team in football. Like I really thought this was a one or a two win team. Arthur Smith is the real deal. He has that offense clicking with not a lot of pieces right now. And the Browns, their defense hasn't been great. I know that a lot of Cleveland fans are already calling for what Joe Woods head. I want to say is his name. Yeah. Yeah. And they're already calling for that. What I think won me back over is that I love occasionally looking at like what the starting ticket value is for certain games, because when you don't expect it to be a sold out crowd, you start wondering and Browns fans are fanatical. There's being sold for less than $50 right now. There's a real chance that that is a 50 50 crowd. If at the very least it's going to feel neutral sighty. So I'm going to go with Jacoby Brissett protecting the ball. This is as good as a rushing offense in the 21st century can be. And I'm going to go with the Nick Chubb led offense. Like I said, might not be pretty, but they are going to be the only AFC North team at three and one or better starting this next week. Maybe it's time to get excited. Washington is going to Dallas. The Cowboys are three point favorites. Totals 41 and a half. Carson Wentz has been sacked 14 times in the past two weeks. And this is probably the last game, or at least possibly the last game that the Washington Commanders are without Chase Young. I have Washington plus three. I have them on the money line, and I have the under of 41 and a half. The Commanders are winning 20 to 14. Rivera thinks Carson Wentz is coming back, and he's going to have a rebound week. We'll see. We'll see. It's Carson Wentz we're betting on here. But if he can, big if, and I mean the biggest of ifs, if Carson Wentz can turn it over one or fewer times, the keep it just – even if you get two, there's a shot you win. But if you turn it over one time, this is not a Dallas Cowboys team that is going to be able to win this game. There is star power on Washington. So I think they are going to be able to get it done if, big if, they protect the ball. Where are you going here? I think Steve and I are both on the same page right here, which is Dallas Moneyline. Steven said Carson Wentz is going to get played by outplayed by Cooper Rush. I agree. I think this is another gross NFC East matchup. It's a gross game. It's going to be bad quality football. And But I think Dallas continues to roll with Cooper Rush. I think they end up at, what, 3-1 and one now? They win this game? Yeah, I, I, I think it's Dallas as the win, and that's why I'm taking them for the money line. I should have brought this up after the Monday night game, but quick impromptu segue for you. What do we think right now? Let's say the Cowboys do go to three and one. Like, could they still hang around long enough to get Dak Prescott back and have a belief they can still win this division? Or do you think it's going to be out of arm's reach by the time he's back? It won't be out of arm's reach, but I think that they'll get the hope, but it's not going to happen. Philly's going to win the division, but I think the Cowboys are going to be good enough, especially winning early division games. Because the division is really all that matters when yeah. you're talking about the NFC East. They're going to lose to most other teams they play, in my opinion. Like, they all just split with each other and, and end up at all, like, 9-8, and 8-9. Eight, eight and nine, and whoever goes 9-8 and eight gets to go to this playoffs. I, I hate the NFC East so much, but this year it's Phillies to lose. So it would have to take some significant injuries to Philly for me for to even consider the Cowboys winning this division. Man, I think that there's a real chance. First of all, you just heard me. I'm picking Washington. So because of that, I think Philadelphia is going to have a two-game lead over everybody else. If that's the case, it might be a runaway train. You're right that the NFC East always seems to be that 9-8, and 8-9 eight, eight and division winner. I'm almost feeling maybe I've got too much bird fever right now. But I think that Philadelphia, with the core they have, they could be that team that we finally see own the division for a little bit of time. They could be a division champion for the next four or five years where I think teams are allergic to winning back-to-back for some reason in this. I think it's back to like 04 or something. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Philly's got the potential to, to win that for a repeated couple years. 
I just uh, – Philly's going to win. I Philly's an 11-win team as it stands right now, at least. Let's put it that way. Like, they're an 11-win team at least in my head. Dallas, even with Dak, maybe 10. Maybe 10. And that's a stretch. And that's if they win – all, almost all of their division games outside of the Eagles, right? Like that's where that's the difference is what is what do their division games look like throughout the year? Because I don't, I mean, that's a nine win team in my head. Well, and the last thing I brought up last week, and it's changed to actually help them as well. The Eagles are right now betting favorites in every single one of their last regular season games. That is part because of how high Vegas is on this team, but it's also in part of how pathetic the schedule is for the NFC East this year. If they can't get it done and get that one seed this year, then that's when I start getting nervous about the future because they have everything laid out in front of them. They could be a 13-14 win team. They just actually have to go out and do it. Right. Let's go to your buddy, your boy, Baker Mayfield. He's going for back-to-back wins now. Try to get back to 2-2. and And in the NFC, you ain't dead if you're 2-2. and They are a one-and-a-half point favorites against Kyler Murray in the Cardinals. Total is 43 and a half. What are you even thinking about with this one? Because to me, it kind of is a tricky line. I never expected Carolina to be a one and a half point favorite. I'm with you, but this is the easiest line I've seen this thus far this season. I ride with Baker to the end, but like this line is free cash flow. It's Arizona. I'm taking Arizona one and a half point underdogs, and I'm taking Arizona money line. They're the better team. I don't care how each of these is playing. Baker's still playing like crap. I'm taking the talent of the Cardinals over Carolina right now. And I just, it's free cash flow. I wanted really bad to bet Carolina. I really, really did. The Cardinals are awful. They're bad. I'm so annoyed because I keep like, I feel like screaming from the mountaintops. And this is like the first spread that's kind of reflected what I've been thinking but I'm with you. First of all, there's better value to go Arizona here. And I already mentioned that this is the week to bet against what would make me happy. So I'm betting against Baker Mayfield because I'd love to see him win. I'd love to see the Panthers get back into it. But I, I mean, seriously, I have no interest in this game. This is to me, it might, you keep bringing up least favorite game or least favorite betting. This is to me the game that if it was up to me, I would erase it from the week, and I wouldn't even have to think about it. That's where I'm at here. But I'm taking Arizona money line. They win 23 to 17, <sighs> which means the Denver Broncos are going to Allegiant Stadium, recently hit by Lightning Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. The Raiders are two and a half point favorites. The total is 45 and a half. Steven calls this the lock of the week. He has the silver and black minus two and a half in money line. He says Vegas has been five and one against the spread against his team since moving to Vegas. Russ and his offense have been bad, only averaging less than 15 points per game. I hear you. I hear him. Daniel, no, no, it's fine. We'll get to me after. Please just tell me why this week is different. Tell me why on Sunday night I'm going to be happy and, and, and celebrating this football team that insists on getting in in my way please tell me why buddy look i will i will buy you the rope for the news if vegas makes russell wilson and this offense look electric i think i'm taking vegas two and a half point favorites i'm taking them the, the money line I think Vegas turns it around this week in week four. Go Raiders. They're going to be one in three, but it's okay. We're coming back. No, first of all, they won't. <laughs> and uh, you, you, you know what this team's going to remind me of? I can already feel it. Do you remember when Vince Young, and I'm sure you probably rooted for the Titans because of Vince Young because you, you have big Texas fandom there. There was a year that they started 0-6. And I believe they won their next like nine games before losing in week 17 to go to nine and seven. I think they missed the playoffs. By half a game. They yeah. won eight straight. They won eight straight uh, with once they put Vince Young in the, in the game. That might've been it. So, but th- that's what this is going to feel like where there's going to be people like myself hurling themselves off the side of building 
when they're 0-5 after they lose to the Chiefs and Broncos in back-to-back weeks here. And then we'll see them. They'll win six or seven straight for no other purpose but to break people's hearts like me who will buy back in just to lose and, and fall out again. I can feel it. But I'm not going to fall for the trap. This is a perfect storm. The Broncos are plus two and a half. I'm taking that. I'm taking the money line. This says 24 to 23 heartbreaking Raiders loss all over it. And here's another thing that makes me feel even more sketchy about this game. 84% of the the money bet on the spread in this game is for the Raiders. 92% of the money bet on money line is for the Raiders. So either Vegas is going to get dragged through the mud, it's one of those games, or they are going to be sitting pretty laughing at me and all the other Raider fans that thought that this week was different, that this time was different. And it's not. It's not. The New England Patriots are traveling to Lambeau Field. Packers are nine and a half point favorites. Total is 39 and a half. It's safe to say that Mac Jones is day-to-day after Bill Belichick said it 12 times in an interview, and Brian Hoyer is likely to start. Steven is taking New England plus nine and a half. He says he never likes double-digit spreads with Green Bay, even if they hit earlier in the year. He says he's personally seen too many games where they don't cover like this. And I kind of agree with him. I'm taking the Packers uh, to win. I, I'm not going to bet them, but I think they'll win. I have it 24 to 17, so I'm taking New England plus nine and a half. But in a weird way, I just imagine this is like Bill Belichick's wet dream right now and where his team feels most comfortable. No one's believing him. Everybody's writing him off. People are bored of the Patriots, so they're not even talking about the Patriots. This is perfect for a guy like Brian Hoyer, who is an established and good backup quarterback in this league, to come in for one week and do enough to keep this close. I don't think that, that like they'll have a threat to lose this game, the Packers. But covering, I think it's a lot to ask for. So I'm going New England plus nine and a half. Yeah, I just don't I don't like the Packers covering a, a near 10-point spread. Uh, I'm taking New England plus nine and a half in Green Bay money line. I'm I would change this to the Packers taking the spread if Mac Jones is out. If Mac Jones is out, that team's not scoring the football. So I'm I would switch that. But if Mac Jones is playing even a little bit hurt, I'm taking New England plus nine and a half. I just, I don't see them getting blown out by the Packers. Quick question for you. So last week against Baltimore, we got to see the Patriots actually move the ball a little bit, whether it be Kendrick Bourne, whether it be Nelson Aguilar, they are actually kind of getting it to their wide receivers, which we never see them do. Do we believe that is a product of Mac Jones, the new play caller or the system as a whole? Like, where are you at? Do you think like, is that why you think that Brian Hoyer starting, they don't cover? Because it is a Mac Jones thing? I think Mac Jones, yeah, because of Hoyer, Hoyer, yeah, he's he's been a kind of game manager, you know, during his tenure with the Browns really was the only time you get to see him as a game manager. That broke but my like, brain where I'm still convinced he's good because you were 6-2 and two with Brian Hoyer. So I'm like, Brian Hoyer, right, good like, quarterback. But like he never played that well. I, it's just like tough for me because I don't think he comes in and he just like, you know, I don't think he performs the way Geno Smith has performed this season or the way like any of these kind of backup, kind of okay starter guys perform. And I think Mac Jones is is probably three times the player that Brian Hoyer is at that position. I, I don't know if if he's the sole reason why, but like Bill Belichick, I, that offense, I don't know. There's just something about it. Like, We've kind of seen where Bill Belichick maybe had a good, like he can design a good offensive playbook, but he's not that great at making it all come together, uh, you know, when Brady left. But he also designed the three tight end offense that a handful of teams play from, basically, yeah. including the Browns last year. So, like, I don't know. It's just tough for me because, like, yeah, they can design a pretty good offense, but. I just think Mac Jones is the glue that brings it all together for them, even though they're really not that good of a team. I want to just for two seconds, just soak in the fact that that was the closest thing I will get to a Geno Smith compliment out of you on this entire show. He, Look, he played great this year. All right? oh, wow. This is awesome. I am like, I told you like I would admit right when now. I was wrong. And so far I've been wrong on Geno, but I still think Drew Locke is better. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they'd be looking great. I'm sure they would have beat <laughs> Russell Wilson in week one with Drew Locke. But that's fine. The Kansas City Chiefs, one-point favorite, going down to Tampa Bay, or at least we believe they're going down to Tampa Bay. Thank God this is Sunday night. Why? Because Hurricane Ian almost had these two teams playing in Minneapolis. It's still on the table, but as of right now, the Tampa Bay mayor is suggesting that they play at home, that that would the only concern would be that they're going to kick Kansas City's ass or something to that effect. Love that kind of, uh, I guess, thought, but here's the thing. The under is the play. Under 45 and a half, I'll take Tampa Bay money line, but it ain't going to be an ass kicking. I'm hoping that this does get to play in Tampa. If it does, we almost need to tip our cap to the NFL because this is the Sunday night game. And I, outside of that New York Giants and Dallas game, we've been spoiled this year with primetime. It's actually been really refreshing for once, not having to watch the Dolphins and Jaguars on Thursday night football or watching what a, a two and 14 like Seattle Seahawks play against a, a seven and nine San Francisco 49ers. It's been nice, but I, I just, for whatever reason, am not buying into Kansas City's offense right now. I think it's going to be a very ugly, low-scoring game, kind of like that Green Bay game last week. So I'm taking the Buccaneers' money line in the under 45-and-a-half. Where do you find yourself in this one? You're making me reconsider. Um, That's good. That's what I'm looking for here. No, I just – okay, here. If they move to a neutral facility, Kansas City's winning the game, and I have no doubt about it. Like, zero doubt about Kansas City winning the game. Right now, I'm on Kansas City as the favorite and the money line. And I just I just don't think Tampa Bay's offense has looked good enough to make this an interesting game in terms of score. I just think Kansas City wins. You're probably right on it'll be lower. It'll be lower scoring than most people think. But I just Tampa Bay has shown nothing on offense this year. Zero on offense. And even though they have probably the best defense in the NFL right now, I just don't think it's enough to stop Kansas City enough to keep it within one and a half or to beat Kansas City. All right. Now, I got a question, though, because this is you don't want to sound insensitive when you bring this up. But I think you guys at home and you can trust me enough, built up enough rapport that you know that I'm not joking around about this. But New Orleans with Hurricane Katrina. When they came back, they weren't a good football team, but there was so much emotion coming off of that disaster that Steve Gleason blocks that punt. They never look back. They win a game that they had no business winning. This Tampa Bay team already has the talent everywhere. It's not Hurricane Katrina, but we've seen how devastating it's been to Southern Florida. That's part of like it playing in the back of my mind where I almost like to bet games like this because there's going to be a lot of emotion on the Tampa Bay side, regardless of where this is played, where it's like, we got to win this for those at home right now. Is that like way on you at all? Or is that just a kind of, no, I, I no. thought about it, but I don't think, I think that's a next week effect. Okay. Um, that's so fair. in my opinion, I think, I think, and this is, this is, I'm no weatherman. I thought that hurricane is supposed to hit landfall again tonight and then cross over the state and go up to like the um South Carolina or something the like northeast that. yeah like the northeast border of the state and up through you know it'll probably be a, a category one or a tropical storm by the time it gets to another state but it's supposed to cut across Florida still if if I recall correctly and I just don't first of all I don't know how they're going to play the game in Tampa Bay if Tampa who is two hours north of Fort Myers looks even remotely close to the way Fort Myers looked in some of these videos and if they play in Tampa how many people are showing up to that game and and I mean that entire area either evacuated or is under duress right now so I just question this whole week from a, an emotional perspective like I don't know if their head's going to be in it might the be like they're more drained than right. they are I got gotcha. you that's like, I think it's going to have the reverse effect. And then next week you might have a point with that of, okay, we're done and, and through this. Now it's, you know, now it's rebuild the city, rebuild the state, 
and and turn the season around from a team perspective. I wonder off the top of my head, I should have done my research before I asked that question, but they just played back-to-back home games. So you imagine they're probably going on the road. Even if it's two, three weeks down the road, it's something I think you throw in your tickler file in your brain and you say, hey, when they do come back, that's going to be a very emotional game. And you got to imagine the team is going to answer the bell. And Tom Brady, I mean, he's already donating money. He's got the NFL troops rallying. So that's interesting. That For that reason alone, it's kind of a game that you might think twice about gambling on. Right. But let's go into our final one of the week, the Monday night football game. We'll be talking to you guys on Monday, recapping the week before this one happens. But we're still going to give you the picks. The 49ers are one-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Los Angeles Rams. Total is 42-and-a-half. Game is a lot less sexy than we thought it was going to be about two weeks ago. Where are you going? Do you think the 49ers get right with Jimmy G? Or do you think that maybe the Rams finally start looking like the Super Bowl team of old? Look, I thought I was doing like making the best bet of the week with this game and taking the Rams uh, as one and a half point underdogs and the money line. But you and Steven have the exact opposite take. I just, I don't know. I, 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 it's tough for me to bet against the Rams. It really is. I don't like doing it because that roster is loaded. They seemingly don't put it together ever but like they do just enough to win 10 games every year, 11 games. And then like you find them in the Super Bowl, Right. So I don't know. I just don't like betting against them. And at a one and a half point spread at one and a half point underdog feels like a really good opportunity to take advantage of them and pick them. Well, and to your point too, going into the value that I keep mentioning all show that if you're betting on the Rams to win outright, Instead of the you bet $10 and you get about nine in return, you're going to get 10 or $11 back. So for bigger unit betters, it's a big jump and the value is there. I'm with you that I want to bet the Rams. The only reason that Steven, well, I can't speak to him, but the only reason I'm at least on minus one and a half is because of this really strange stat I saw that Kyle Shanahan is seven and three straight up and seven and three against a spread against Sean McVay in his career. And in those eight or eight of those games, the Rams were betting favorites. So not only are the 49ers winning games, they're not supposed to win. They're doing it convincingly. My only concern is that the NFC championship game feels like almost that monumental get over the hurdle moment that maybe that was what, the straw that broke the camel's back, the floodgates open up, McVay's got it, he figured it out, and maybe the Rams run. There's a reason you went 23-10 and 10 last week, David, so don't think that this is not a good bet just because Steve and I are on it. Maybe we should be worried because you're not on it with us. I am taking the 49ers minus one and a half, though. I do think the, the Jimmy G-led offense gets right, and I'm just going to keep going betting trends until they tell me otherwise. We're going to go into Steven's favorite prop lock and drop it right now. I'll keep his fast. He has Darren Waller as his anytime touchdown scorer at plus 160. His lock is, oh, what an asshole. He has the Las, <laughs> <laughs> he has the Las Vegas Raiders money line. Of course he does. And his drop is Arizona plus one and a half versus Carolina, which credit to him. I'm right there with him. David, your prop lock and drop. Buddy, I'm running it back with Joey Burrow. Joe Burrow, over 272 and a half yard, total yards passing. Dolphins have let that up in two of three games this year. Um, I'm riding Burrow, getting back to elite QB play in this game. Um, my lock is Buffalo uh, as three-point favorites against Baltimore. Uh, Buffalo bounces back, reminds people why the analysts said they were going to go 17-0. and And then my drop is Tennessee-Indiana. Game's a betting nightmare, both 0-2 against the spread. Both are bad underperforming teams. I send that game to the moon. Yeah, that's to the old gulag, as, as Kyler Murray and his gamer buddies would say. I have Devontae Adams, anytime touchdown scorer this week. He's done it three straight weeks. What has everybody on earth been doing but saying that Devontae Adams and Derek Carr are not working well together? The guys are really good friends. It's not an act. And I'm sure that they're both pissed off about what has been said. Devontae doesn't care if he catches the ball. He cares about wins. But I think Derek Carr is going to do everything in his power to force feed him this week, for better or worse. I think you got a bonus one. You probably don't get great odds on it. 
But if you can find a Zach Wilson to throw an interception line against the Steelers defense, against Mika Fitzpatrick, it feels like a recipe for success there. Lock Buffalo, like you, David, they're going to get it done. They're going to prove to everybody that this is the Super Bowl team that they are. Last week, a million mistakes. They're going to work those out throughout the year. I told you, I think they might kill Baltimore. So lock that up. And in my drop, I think the Houston Texans will win. But betting the Houston Texans to win any game should probably tell you it's your drop of the week. I'm going to stay clear of that. And who knows? I'm hoping that the Chargers fall on their face. But it is anything but guaranteed. David, that's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Loss of Down. Make sure you guys at home all follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, at Loss of Down, and our Twitter, at Down underscore Loss. Remember that this episode was brought to you by Abby Turner Creative. Wally, wait, I said my own name to ask. <laughs> that might stay in. That's going to stay in. In fact, it is. Hello, everyone. David, what are your parting words for the people today? Go Raiders, go Browns, go Lions. Don't listen to Wally's negativity. Oh, and here's the negativity. When, and when I say when, it's if, really quotation marks, if the Raiders lose Sunday, don't try to talk me off the ledge. I'm at peace with it, everyone. Pretty excited to pick up on my reading again. The great alone, Christian Hanna, really, really been looking forward. Football season's made it so it's really hard for me to read. But this week, I'm, I'm getting back into it because Sundays won't matter after this one. You guys take care at home. We'll see you here on Monday night.